Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the Career Tip podcast series brought to you by BC Career Club. I'm your host Kai Lang and in today's episode we have invited our guest speaker Miss Nicole to analyze the possibility of artificial intelligence replacing lawyers in court. On behalf of BC Career Club, I would like to extend my deepest appreciation to Miss Nicole for taking your time to join us today. Before we start off, Miss Nicole, could you please give us our listeners a brief introduction of yourself? Okay, thanks Kailam. Uh, thanks for having me. So to briefly introduce myself, my name is Nicole. I am a lawyer at Lee Shamudin Allen Glahill. Um, I work in the T, uh, the firm's TMT team. So TMT stands for Telecommunication, Media and Technology. Um, I also do commercial litigation matters. Huh? Uh, a bit about myself. I'm in my second year of practice. Um, before I started, I suppose I'll talk a bit about my education. I started my LLB at Indy, and then I did a UK transfer. I then did the bar. And then um, my pupillage, I, I had a mix of uh, criminal litigation, and then I switched to civil. So um, anyway, what I'm doing today is uh, more commercial and uh, with a uh, focus on TMP. So that's why I wrote that article. I think uh, Kailam, you had made reference to that previously. Um, article I wrote was just exploring the possibility of AI perhaps one day replacing lawyers in Malaysian courts. And I think we will discuss some of the points that I mentioned in my article here today. I see. Thank you, Ms. Nicole. Now let's jump into the first question. Ms. Nicole, could you give us a brief description of what AI is and what is crucial for us to understand about AI for today's discussion? Okay, so what AI is, I suppose a very brief explanation would just to say that it is a technology, or rather it's a range of technologies, and it can perform tasks that would re usually require uh, human intelligence. So that would include learning, reasoning, problem solving. Um, the different types of AIs, right? So there's machine learning, for example, there's natural language processing, NLP, there's robotics, there's many different types of AI. Um, each of the types of AIs would have a specific uh, role function and they have strengths and limitations. Um, I think the best way to understand what AI is, is to try it out for yourself, you know, to create, if you haven't already, create an account on ChatGPT and just talk to it. I think that's the best way to understand, truly understand what it can do and cannot do. Lah. Um, what is it, what is crucial for us to understand it is crucial to understand that it is um, it is here. It is definitely here to stay. And we are just at the beginning of it, right? So um, I think it's important to gain some exposure as early as possible. And I think we're at a very good point in the sense that if we jump on the bandwagon now, we understand um, how it works and we incorporate it in our daily lives, I think we can see that it could be massively beneficial uh, and we can place ourselves ahead of the curve by being an early adopter of AI. 
at a very basic level anyway. So chat GPT, for example, that's a very basic level, but that itself can be very beneficial. I see. That was very informative. So my next question is, is AI currently being used in legal practice? Um, not officially, no. Well, technically, well, okay. Um, there is there is a uh, so for Le LexisNexis has a product called Lexis Analytics. So it does use AI to um assist with legal research. So technically, if you do use Lexis Analytics, it's a subscription plan you can add on to your regular subscription. Yeah, you could be using that in 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 legal practice. Um, what it does is you type in the prompt, the problem, and then because it has access to the database, right, the case law, it can then match the keywords and all that to the relevant and, and suggest some relevant case laws. La. So that is an example of, of AI being used in legal practice. But I think in general, I know myself, I do use AI in my my daily work in the sense that um, I sometimes use it to, I might put, uh, say, a sentence or a paragraph to ChatGPT and I ask if it's grammatically correct or um, is there any way I could improve the phrasing uh, to make it easier for the reader, for example, right? Things like that. I'm using it as a tool not necessarily um it's important to remember which i will discuss a bit later but it is important to remember the confidentiality aspect la. so to not put in information that that is uh, confidential it cannot be disclosed but otherwise i think it can be used as a tool um in legal practice yes i see that was very eye-opening all right, so is the use of AI in legal practice currently beneficial? Definitely, I think. Um, okay, so my my two examples I mentioned earlier, ChatGPT and Lexis Analytics, right? So my experience with Chat is that it can understand prompts and questions very well because... ChatGPT uses a combination of um, machine learning and also, uh, what do you call it? Natural language processing. Meaning to say that it has it is a combination, right, of different types of AI. So it can, first of all, understand. So natural language processing is where the AI is able to understand what you're inputting, what, what, what your, the human language so you could have a, you could type in a sentence that is not really complete, kind of half half big, but it can kind of understand what you're trying to say. And then the machine learning aspect is is where you it has all the data that it has been that has been input to train it, come up with conclusions, uh, things like that. So with a combination of machine learning and NLP, it can understand very well. The only catch, the only the only problem is that uh, ChatGPT tends to provide incorrect information, especially when it comes to legal research. So, it has. If you ask it a question, it can answer you very well. But if you ask it a legal question, it actually comes up with cases that are not real. 
they actually come up with fake cases. Uh, it has happened before I tried. So be very careful, especially the law students, be very careful with using it for legal purposes. Um, but ChatGPT is very good at understanding prompts and explaining things very well. So you can put in a text of, you can put in a long text and it can summarize it for you very well. Lexis Analytics, based on my experience, it has a database, right? Because of course, Lexis has access to all the, uh, the material. But based on my experience, the understanding part is a bit lacking. So it might not be able to understand a prompt as well as say ChatGPT. So in my experience, I've ended up still searching for something manually using the using the techniques that we learned in law school, you know, to use uh, inverted commas, and, or, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So um, what I'm trying to say is that there are definitely benefits um, to using AI, and this is just the beginning. We have, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the news, there's this new AI being developed called Harvey. So what they do, what they have, what they're doing is they're taking the the model, ChatGPT model, and then they're training it with uh, legal data. So it will be used by lawyers, tax practitioners, and that will be, I think that will be amazing because Chat is already amazing as it is, and you don't even have the access to uh, say data. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, paid subscriptions right so it's very limited in that sense but imagine having chat gpt legally trained i mean trained in terms of legal data being input so i'm looking forward to that um, benefits of using ai mm, you think it can definitely help in terms of research right because um i think in practice there's a lot of time spent um, looking at research especially when you're on the more junior end. So when you start your pupillage, when you're a junior lawyer like myself, a lot of it is, a lot of, there's a lot of time spent on, on legal research. And it's necessary because, of course, um, still a lot of things you might not know. Uh, but I think that will definitely be very helpful. And also, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I think in terms of proofreading, it's a very good tool because it can identify the grammatical error here or spelling error here and how it can be, how that sentence can be rephrased uh, to read better, to, to, to be more concise. I think that's a very useful tool. And also, one more, one more thing. We deal with a lot of documents, right, uh, in practice. We get a bunch of documents. We have to sift through it. We have to see what's relevant, what, what's not as relevant. And then we have to analyze um, the documents. AI, I think, will definitely help a lot when it comes to that. The bulk of information it's able to process and then analyze, um, I think that will be massive benefit, definitely. Um, yeah, so I, I hope that answers your question as to why I think the use of AI can be beneficial and what we can expect in the near future the development of even um, newer uh, programs such as Harvey. Yes, that was very eye-opening indeed. So you mentioned about challenges of humans relying on AI in legal practice. Can you shed more light on that? Mm, challenges of 
humans relying on AI. So I think the number one thing that comes to mind is definitely concerns about confidential information um, being input to say a chat model, right? So we know that um, say chat GPT, for example, when we put in information, it is stored in there because it is it stores information in order to um provide you with an accurate answer even uh, your subsequent answers will be based on whatever you put in right in that same chat so it definitely has to retain the information plus when we lawyers we are dealing with a lot of information that is sensitive it's confidential um there definitely concerns la, about where this information is stored, by whom it's stored, who then has access to this information. So that's a very important thing to remember. So um, perhaps if um, there's something to think about, and perhaps if you're putting in a prompt, just change the, the, the names of the party or just ensure that there's nothing in there that is being put in la, that shouldn't be in there, you know, in terms of confidential information. In terms of other challenges, um, I think challenges. Um, I think there is also the aspect of okay, you see ultimately AI. It is very good at suggesting answers and explaining things that it already knows. Because it's trained by data, trained based on data, right? You put in data, it is able to process it, and then it's able to give you an answer. But so that that helps when it comes to a lot of uh, basic aspects of, of practice. But then ultimately, if you're doing advisory work and you have to think of a strategy. So for example, if your client is trying to terminate an agreement and coming up with an exit strategy on how to exit a, a, a contract. So you your role is then to provide this strategy on how best to approach it, what the client should and should not do at this stage uh, to uh, minimize their liability, their exposure, what documentation should they prepare for litigation, things like that, right? It's all strategies. And unless AI has been specifically trained, you know, to, 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 with all this information, I think that it still can be quite limited in terms of what it can, how it can answer you, you know, because this is still the human aspect, right? And this is where, this is where expertise and experience comes in, into play. So especially when you work with senior lawyers, you can see that for some, a lot of things come so easily for them, so naturally to them because they are so experienced. So that's something that I think that will still be a challenge in the sense that it can give you AI can give you an answer, but it might not be uh, as well developed or as comprehensive, la, And it's not, it's not very. It might not be as creative. You know, it's just giving you regurgitating whatever it has been trained. I mean, based on the data, it's been trained. Yeah, so I think that's one of the challenges to it, using it in practice. I see. That was also very eye-opening. So with the recent rise of ChatGPT, do you think 
ChatGPT will replace human lawyers or even make lawyers obsolete? <laughs> okay, very interesting question. Um, so right off the bat, I don't think, and I hope that I won't eat my words laha in the future <laughs> when you have another podcast in the future and I say I take it back. But my position is that it will not entirely replace human lawyers. And the reason is because I think that you still, we still have, there are a lot of hurdles to, to that. So I think AI can perhaps replace some of the tasks that lawyers do. So maybe when it comes to basic drafting work, like maybe say a letter of demand, for example, some you know, or, or, or wills, some very basic template-based drafting. Perhaps it can take that role, it can it can do that drafting. But ultimately there still needs to be that human judgment, right? And for example, Letters of demand, yeah, they're pretty standard. Usually, de depending on on how uh, contentious the matter, if it's a straightforward debt, for example, yeah, perhaps AI could draft. But ultimately, there still needs to be that human insight as to whether we should include that, we should not include this, why we should word it like this. There's still that aspect, lah, and I think that's something that humans bring. Humans. Lawyers, human lawyers bring to the table, and then when it comes to advocacy work, um, there's still going to be the challenge of locus, so AI not having locus to appear in court, right? And that is definitely um a major hurdle to using AI uh, to replace lawyers, and also, like I mentioned earlier, in terms of advisory and, and, and strategizing. So AI can assist with um, providing some groundwork when it comes to perhaps research or um, processing documents, things like that, summarizing long text, uh, maybe even summarizing case law. But when it comes to decision making, when it comes to that advisory and strategy aspect, I think that there is still definitely value of human lawyers. So I don't really see AI replacing lawyers in that aspect. Lah. But I do think that for certain tasks that are um, more template-based, perhaps um, we might see a rise in the use of AI um, doing, doing uh, those uh, tasks. Lah. I see. That was a very eye-opening view. Next question. Mm. Is AI bound by the legal professional practice and etiquette rules 1978? And can AI be sued for professional negligence? Okay, so under the LPA, Legal Profession Act 1976, an advocate and solicitor of the High Court who, who is a qualified person Holds a practicing certificate has a right of audience in court, so it applies to qualified persons. So, uh, my view is that it does not apply to AI because AI, um, from based on what I know, and AI systems are not legal persons in law, right? So, um, 
and I think there are some cases uh, on this as well. I put that in my well, I've, I've explored that a bit in my article, but essentially, AI person AIs are not legal persons, so by extension, they do not have the um. They're not qualified persons, uh, under the rules and the act, so therefore it doesn't apply to them. And can it be sued by for professional negligence? Right, the second part of the question. Um, once again, they're not legal persons involved, so no, they cannot be sued for negligence. The AI itself cannot be sued for negligence. I see. All right. Second last question. Can AI and lawyers work concurrently in legal practice? Mm, definitely, definitely. I think, as I've mentioned earlier, there are some tools being developed specifically for lawyers. So Harvey is a good example. You should check that out. Um, definitely can be used as a tool. And I think that it should be embraced. So... For example, when it first when this whole AI thing first came out, I did talk to some lawyers, so the more senior lawyers in my firm. And you know, I actually a lot of senior lawyers are quite open. They're open to this. And I think that it is just something that we will have to embrace eventually. I mean, there's also interest, right? I mean, if you try use it, I I think that everyone who has tried it before, chat GPT anyway, I think everyone's quite in awe you know the first time I used chat I was so impressed I was so excited wow I can do all this um I think definitely I think that anyone who uses it as a tool would definitely benefit from from you you know from that um, but of course always remember that there is always this confidentiality aspect it's very important to ensure that you do not put in something that is confidential um, there is also the aspect of plagiarism. So I think this is maybe more relevant for students, especially um, if you're doing your assignment and you're using chat. Of course, it's going to produce something that is based on written textbooks and, and journals and whatever. So it's a good, it's a very good starting point. I cannot imagine if I had chat GPT when I was a student, it would have, <laughs> I think my uni life would have been uh, very interesting. But there's a plagiarism aspect, lah. So keep that in mind. Also, um, it can work concurrently. I think lawyers and AI can work concurrently. But uh, my my view is that at the moment, as things are, it cannot replace lawyers. Yeah. I see. The answer to the question. So before we end with today's brief episode, I have one more question. Do you have any advice for law students who wish to further research this topic? In terms of what writing about it or using it, what kind of research? Uh, it can. In terms... Yeah, in terms of research. In terms of research, as in researching about AI. Yes. Okay, so when I was writing my article, I did come across some very interesting journals. So there were some mostly written over mostly overseas, some journals on AI and ethics, AI and um intellectual property, because of course there there's so many topics. I mean there's so many 
topics and, and, and questions are cropping up, right, from the use of AI. So, for example, if you use AI to produce an artwork, who owns the artwork? So that's the IP aspect. Then you have the ethics aspect. Then you have the so many, so many, um, you know, questions to explore. Where would I research? I, I, I suppose what I would do if I were interested in researching as a student is I would subscribe to, first of all, use it, right? Use, use, use this, uh, say ChatGPT, for example, that's a starter, use it, understand how it works, and then understand the different types of AI, so understand how machine learning works, understand a bit about how NLP works, how it's trained, um, and then follow the tech news. <laughs> um, every day there's some new tool um, that's coming out, and um yeah, I, I, I guess I guess that's how that's how I would start if I were a student researching this topic. Yeah. I see, that's great. Those were some excellent advice. Thank you for your time and insights, Miss Nicole. Today's episode of Career Tape will now come to an end. Thank you for listening to our podcast from BC's Career Talk. Do tune in for our next episode, which will be released soon on Spotify. Once again, I'm your host, Kailam, wishing you a great day.